Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Service. I'm Brian Levinson. I created this podcast because I love to utilize the power of story to find out how people have developed their mindset for performance. We talk with CEOs, coaches, athletes, actors, really anybody who considers himself to be a performer to gain a better understanding and perspective on how these people see the world. The goal is to dig deep with each person and find out about their mindset. We'll learn about their successes, their failures. The goal is to uncover great pieces of information that hopefully can help you as you continue to create your own journey. We'll talk with people at the beginning of their journey, those in the heart of their career, and those who are able to reflect back on the career that they've had. We are all a compilation of the stories that we hear and the stories that we tell ourselves. So as you listen, it's important to think about how these themes relate to your journey as you go beyond the surface with yourself as well. Today we go beyond the surface with professional football player Bishop Sankey. Bishop is a running back for the Minnesota Vikings. He's also spent time with the Kansas City Chiefs, the New England Patriots, and he was drafted in the second round by the Tennessee Titans. Before he got to the NFL, he had an illustrious career at University of Washington. Uh, when he left there, he held the all-time record for both yards in a season and overall touchdowns. So Bishop has really had success running the football, both in college and and some in the NFL as well. But we're getting Bishop at an interesting time in his career. He's in the middle of it. He's in the heart of it. He's trying to find his way and, and trying to find his footing as he is now with the Vikings and will have to fight for playing time with them. So Bishop will talk about Uh, A lot of his success that he had at University of Washington, some of his success that he had in high school, and also the journey that led him to where he is today. And he has an interesting journey. He has an interesting story. It's not a straight line, some non-traditional paths. And he'll talk about his family and his upbringing and how he ended up at University of Washington and the impact that that had on his career and how that's impact where he is today. So I'm sure you will enjoy this conversation. Bishop is a thoughtful guy. He's someone who is contemplative, and I think you will enjoy him as he reflects on where he is today and what has led him to get to where he is today. And one of the things I love about this podcast is we get people at all different points in their career, but one of the best times that I love to talk to people is when they are in the thick of it, they are in the heat of it, and they are facing some adversity and they might be facing an uphill climb and they have to find their way. And Bishop is certainly going through that now. Uh, He's in a good spot because he is in the NFL, but nothing is certainly guaranteed. And there has to be an element of paranoia for him in order to fulfill what he wants to fulfill in the NFL. So without further ado, I present to you Bishop Sankey. As we go beyond the surface with him, I encourage you to go beyond the surface with yourself as well. Bishop, why don't you start, if you could just tell me about your upbringing, tell me about your family, tell me about what it was like to be a young bishop. Um, well, for me, um, I guess I got you know an interesting story. I actually grew up with my grandparents um, in Wadsworth, Ohio, uh, until I was seven years old. Um, when I was seven, my dad had just joined the military and he was able to get custom yet you know around seven eight years old and my dad was really into football so he's kind of the guy who got me you know started with football and um he was in the air force so he you know has an air force background him and both of my uncles are in that in the military so uh kind of grew up on military bases didn't move around too much but they're always there just for support and for that structure um I ended up going to a high school in Spokane, Washington. Before you jump to that, I want to go back a little bit. 
because okay. you just dropped this bomb on us. Like seven years old, and I'm being raised by my grandparents. Where's mom uh, in the picture, and what's it like growing up with your grandma and grandpa up until you're seven? Okay, yeah. Well, uh, my mom she lives in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, she's always been there. You know, we we've always had a good relationship as well. She lives in Cleveland right now with my little sister. But um, as far as me living with my grandparents, uh, it was you know it was a, a good. I had a good time there. It was really uh, you know peaceful. My my grandparents were both uh, really religious. So we were going to church like every Sunday. I was always up around the church. They were doing um, different organizational stuff with you know the church and everything. And my grandpa, he's a he's a retired engineer. He's a, a retired electrical engineer. And my grandma, she you know was a just stayed around the house, took care of the house and everything. Um, and really, I started playing sports with them. Actually, I started playing soccer. Soccer was like my first sport. And then. Uh, switched over and played t-ball and stuff like that so so uh, so mom had a good time with them so mom sends you to live with them just so that you know they could watch you and and raise you uh but mom's still mom's still coming to visit is she she's around but she's also just focused on working and doing her thing yeah she's trying to you know get established she had me at a young age so um her and my dad felt like it was best um for for me to stay and live with my grandparents and um so my, you know, my mom and dad, they were never married or anything like that. So, uh, it was better for me at the time to just stay with my grandparents, you know, my grandpa, he was working and everything. And, um, I enjoyed it. I had a good experience. And so it was, yeah. it was just you and, and grandma and grandpa pretty much for the beginning part of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the, those first seven years I was staying with them. I would see my mom. Um, she would come down often. Uh, I would see my dad periodically, um, and then I moved with him when I was seven uh, down to Dayton, Ohio. And then that's who really got me into playing football. And, and he was really into it. He was always coaching me, like, all the way up from junior high to high school and, and everything. So he's, he's a really passionate guy. Before we move into Dad, because I want to learn more about him, uh, was it normal for you? Did you not think anything of it being raised by Grandma and Grandpa? You just thought it was sort of normal? Or, or how did you internalize that? I know it's a young age, so... Uh, but how did you think about that? Um, I just thought it was normal. You know, they did a great job. Um, you know, they say it, it takes a village to raise a, a child up. And I feel like, you know, that village, that support was, you know, there for me. Um, you know, even though I wasn't, you know, necessarily living with my mom or dad at the time, I still had my grandparents and they were great as far as supporting me, uh, you know, school, sports, you know, extracurriculars and things like that. So, um, I'm just thankful for having them in my life at that young age, being able to lay that foundation down and, um, you know, to start a healthy life. So it was more grateful for your grandparents rather than, you know, bitter that dad wasn't around or, uh, yeah, yeah. It was like, honestly, I didn't really think about it. Um, you know, when I was a little kid, like I wasn't, you know, really, it didn't really cross my mind any feelings of bitterness or, Oh, you know, why am I living with my grandparents and not my actual parents? And, you know, later in life, you know, of course, they explained to me, like, the reasons why. So I never felt anything like I missed out on anything with my actual parents at, at a young age. Uh, just because, like I said, they were down visiting. They would come and visit me and take me to do different things, go shopping, go to the mall, go to the park, go play. Um, and so I never really had any. It was normal. It was normal for it. you. What was that? It was normal for you. Yeah, it was, it was definitely normal for me. And yeah. any any siblings or is it just just you? Yeah, um, well, 
Well, I have siblings. I have two step siblings. Um, you know, my dad, he's married to my stepmom. I have two step siblings. I have a younger brother and um, two younger sisters as well. So, got it. But I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest one. So, sure. So you you were an only child for a long, for most of your life, and then you you have some some step siblings as well, uh, come in. And uh, and tell me about getting into football and dad being into it. Was dad a football player? Where did where did that yeah, come from? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, back in his day, you know, he he was like all city. Um, he was an all city running back in the city of Akron, Ohio, and he played for one year at Central State University. Uh, it's like a smaller school um, in Central Ohio. Um, so that's who kind of got me into football. You know, he was really passionate about football and he loved the sport and everything. And um, when I was seven years old, when I first moved down there with them, I think it was two weeks into practice. You know, the local peewee teams were already practicing. And my dad was like, you know, hey, we're going to take you to the football field. You're going to play football this year. So I kind of just got thrown into it. And I was already a natural athlete just from playing, you know, other sports. So that's how I, you know, got my start. I still remember my first game, like uh, my second grade year. Just you know, my first game, my first game didn't go too well. You know, I was in the backfield, uh, getting tackled for loss and everything. And I just remember that next week, my dad took me took me out into the backyard, and we were doing like tackling drills. And he was like, "Hey, you know, I'm a grown man, and if you can take a hit from me, you can take a hit from a second grade kid." So that's kind of how I gained my confidence playing football. And that next weekend, like you know. I ran for like two sixty yard touchdowns, and that kind of was the start of everything. <laughs> did you love football right away, or, or what did you think of football at a young age? Because that's pretty young to start playing football. Yeah, yes, uh, I was like a second grader, so it was. Uh, I, I would say I enjoyed it. I enjoyed playing really any sport. Like I played, you know, soccer, baseball, football. I wrestled one year, basketball, track. Um, I think just whatever season it was, that was what sport was my favorite at the time back you know when I was a kid so but I always did enjoy football I grew up like a an Ohio State fan uh, as a kid just growing up in Ohio you know anybody who's from Ohio knows how big you know OSU football is so that's who I kind of followed growing up and you know I was able to see them win a national championship so I was I was a fan of football just really from the jump and then walk me through which sports you stuck with or did you zone in on on football and stay with football or did you play some of those other sports you mentioned um well when i was a kid i played sports year round once i got to junior high i still played uh football i did track i did basketball once i got to high school though i kind of um toned it down i just did football and track because in in the winter time the main reason for that was i wanted to get bigger for varsity like coming out of my freshman year um, I knew I really wanted to play varsity as a sophomore, so I just had to get bigger, um, lift in the weight room. So that's what I did that winter instead of playing basketball. Got it. And you said you moved a little bit. So walk me through the journey uh, from Ohio, and I think you mentioned Spokane. Uh, so just walk me through that. And I'm a little curious about what it's like to have Dad now. Uh, you've got Grandma and Grandpa, but Dad's yeah. now putting you in the backyard and saying, all right, you can take it from me, then you can take it from a seven-year-old. Yeah. Uh, what's right, that right, dynamic right. like? And then what was it like to also move a little bit with Dad? Um, well, my dad, um, I mean, I, I feel like he's taught me, you know, just so much about life. And just growing up, he was always there, um, you know, from the time that I lived with him, just coming to all my games, um, you know, just being that mentor for me and, being that resource for me like with school and 
you know, sports. And he's a military guy, but he's not really a stereotypical, you know, what people would stereotypically think about a guy in the military. Just He's just more so there just for love and support and everything. He wasn't super – I mean, he was strict, but it wasn't like over-the-top discipline, wake up 5.30 in the morning, you know, have everything um, – just in perfect place. So what did he was, share? What did he share about his experience in the military with you? In the military, um, I mean, he said he's he's enjoyed it. Um, at a young age, he was kind of trying to find himself uh, career-wise, and so he was able to join the military. That was a great um, thing for him to do, just be able to get a steady career going and be able to help his family out. Um, like I said, I also have two uncles in the in the military as well. So they were, they've all been just moved around, deployed several times. And, and so it's been, you know, the family's kind of spread out all amongst the U.S., but I think that's a cool thing, get, just being able to travel and, and see the world. So walk me through where you moved and what, where did, where, what kind of different stops along the way? Yeah, so, uh, well, I lived in Wadsworth, Ohio until I was seven, and then I moved down to Dayton, Ohio. My dad was stationed at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio, and that's actually where I started playing football um, down there. And, you know, everything was looking good. I was playing football. Me and my friends were excited to, you know, go to high school. And, you know, bam, right before high school started, it was like eighth grade, and my dad had to, you know, go get shipped up to Spokane, Washington. And so we moved up to Spokane, and it was like, at the time, I was just more so mad that I couldn't play sports with my friends there in Ohio. But um, so we had to drive clear across the country up to Spokane, Washington. I, did, I didn't even know, honestly, like at the time, I didn't even know Spokane, like what 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 it was. Like I've heard of Seattle, but I never heard of Spokane. So when I got to Spokane, uh, it was just a learning experience, a whole different area of the country. You go from, you know, the Midwest um, to, you know, where football is really, really big all the way up to, you know, Spokane, where it's big as well, but maybe not to the extent that it is in Ohio. So it was just an adjustment. Um, but I'm, I'm glad looking back now, I made, you know, lasting friendships there as well and played there in high school. And that's how I got, you know, recruited to Washington. So, so it all worked out. what was it like for you, though, as an eighth grader? Now you're, you're having to move across the country or halfway across the country and you have to, you know, make new friends and, and, Going to high school is hard enough for kids, but now you're going to a high school where you don't know anybody. Uh, what was that like for you? Do you have memories of having to adapt and adjust to that? I'm sure culturally yeah. there's, there, as you mentioned, differences between the Midwest and Pacific Northwest and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was just, um, I was kind of used to it because even um, when my dad was deployed overseas in like fourth grade, I had to go back and move my live with my grandparents for a few months. So I was kind of used to always being the new guy. And so when I got to Spokane, it was the same thing. Like, I was the new guy. and But with football and everything, I was able to kind of, like, make friends outside of school. Um, you know, we had football workouts in the summer and everything, and I was able to kind of get cool with those guys. And But it is an adjustment, just being in a whole different area, new friends, um, especially at that age. Like, you know, when you're going into high school, um, most kids are looking to, you know, win a state championship with their friends that they've been playing with since they were little. But... Was there ever frustration or anger about, like, like I know for me, whenever my parents told me that I was doing anything different, I would freak yeah. out a little bit. Was there ever any frustration or anger at your dad or, or you know, having to move or anything like that? I mean, yeah, it would be, 
I mean, I was always talking. I still have a friend, like my best friend is still from Ohio, so I would always be calling on the phone, um, talking to, you know, him and friends from back in Ohio just to see, you know, how everything's going. Um, I would say as far as frustration, it wasn't, I wouldn't really say call it frustration. It was just like more so, oh, I'm in a new in a new environment. You know, people don't really know me. And, um, you know, more so at that age, you're, you're more worried about getting you know, kids to accept you and like kind of bring you in and be cool with you. So that was more. So my concern is just, you know, trying to make friends. And, and you would use, you would use football to try to bridge that gap with people. And, and that's how you, uh, yeah. that's where you really use football in that way. Yeah, definitely. I think sports, that's like one of the good things about sports is that it does bring people together. Um, you know, you kind of, you have that commonality regardless of where you're from. If you're a new guy, um, like I said, just playing on the field before actual school started was a big thing um, for me, giving me the opportunity to make bonds with, with guys and uh, form relationships before school even started. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Like, I don't know if they did two-a-days out there, but like summer comes and, and football starts. Uh, whereas maybe if it was a different sport like basketball, maybe you wouldn't have gotten to get that leg up so i would assume when school started they already knew oh bishop can run fast and uh can can, can dodge and, and you know, can make make people miss or can tackle or whatever it might yeah. be right right um yeah like i said i was you know i still talked to a few guys from high school uh one of the guys was out here visiting not too long ago so yeah football that's it's provided me that definitely just building relationships and you know having friends from high school and even farther back. So take me to high school. What was the high school experience like for you? Um, and, and socially, academically, athletically, whatever E you want to go with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, coming from Ohio, I went to like a public junior high school. And when I went out to Spokane, uh, my dad was looking for a high school that was good academically as well as good, you know, sports and sports. And so I went to high school at called, a high school called Gonzaga Prep, and uh, it's the Jesuit Catholic High School. And it was just an adjustment for me academically when I first got out there, like just the, you know, how rigorous it was, and um, it was just it was different just coming back from from Ohio, getting out there, but. Uh, I mean, like I said, I had that sports kind of sports to lean on, um, you know, and that's how I kind of made friends like throughout high school. So now you're also at a private school. I'm assuming, yeah. <laughs> and maybe this is a wrong assumption, but like the Jesuit prep schools in the Washington D.C. area tend to be historic type schools where the dad went, the grandpa went, and there's tradition and there's. Yeah. Uh, is that what Gonzaga Prep is like in Spokane, or is it different than yeah. that? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I would say, in a sense, like that's what it was like. You got a lot of people, uh, you know, there, um, and you have a lot of people there that have had their parents and you know grandparents went there and everything. It's definitely a lot of tradition, and for me, it was an adjustment more so just academically and just how just getting used to that environment coming from like Ohio. For a public high school, it was it was a little different. So, how did you do football wise in, in high school? Football, uh, my freshman year. Well, there was a rule at my high school like freshmen couldn't couldn't play varsity, and so um, I played freshman year, had a good year, and then came through my sophomore year. Um, you know, the season started off good. Um, I ended up getting hurt 
midway through my sophomore year. I had like a high ankle sprain. And so I was out for a few games. And then after that, I, um, the next year, my junior year was really my breakout year. I went All-State my junior year, All-State senior year, and then ended up getting a scholarship to Washington. So that's how I ended up in Seattle and started playing over there. So when you start breaking out as an upperclassman and you're looking at Washington, what other schools are you looking at? Are you considering? Uh, walk me through that process a little bit. So the recruiting process for me it was interesting. Uh, I actually committed to Washington State very early in the process of uh, my sophomore year. And I kind of jumped the gun in that sense as far as recruitment. I gave a verbal commitment because they were like the first school that offered me. Um, but throughout the recruiting process, I started getting more offers. And, you know, initially the running back coach who I, I kind of formed a relationship with at Washington State had left, um, went to another school. And so I ended up decommitting like two weeks before National Signing Day and committed to Washington Okay, Bishop, so even though I'm from the East Coast, um, I'm familiar that Washington State and U-Dub are not exactly, like, best friends. Right, right, uh, yeah, yeah, it was crazy, man, it was crazy. Like, how was that, how was that taken, how, like, <laughs> just paint that picture for us and, and what that was like for you to be a traitor or whatever, uh, I'm sure yeah, some, yeah. some viewed it as. <laughs> And it was crazy. Like the reason was just because I mean, as the recruiting process went on, I you know I just started exploring different schools, and I had formed a good relationship with the running back coach at Washington at the time. And I mean, I was like what, eighteen years old in high school, so I was just kind of you know basing it on oh you know I'm cool with this coach. Like he's really he's been recruiting me. He's been showing interest. He's here constantly, week in week out, and so. I really had a good relationship with the running back coach at Washington and went went on campus, you know, enjoyed the campus and everything. But it was crazy. Like, I was getting, especially, like, social media, Facebook, and I think I had a Twitter then, Twitter, too. You know, I was getting all types of, you know, crazy fans. Oh, you're a traitor. Hope you break your leg and this and that. And uh, even on, like, I think a radio show there, they were talking about it, and I was just labeled, like, a traitor, especially in eastern Washington, like, that's Wazoo, that's Washington State uh, country all the way. So I was just, you know, labeled a, a traitor and people were pretty mad, pretty mad about that. I don't think people realize, like, the college recruiting process, how much of it is relationship-based. Uh, and uh, I think a lot of kids uh, end up going places because of an assistant coach or because of somebody that yeah. they felt like would have their back or have their best interest. Um, and I think that's that's interesting. I'm curious when you when you make a, de a decision like that, and then know that there's going to be some people that aren't going to like it. How did you process that as an 18 year old kid, or when people are blowing up your Facebook or your Twitter or whatever it is? How did you process that uh, from a mental standpoint? I mean, I think I tried my best to ignore it. Like at the time, I just wouldn't like log in or you know open my mentions like that and. But at the same time, it was tough just being that young and, you know, seeing people like, you know, one week they're just, you know, hey, man, you know, wish you the best. And the next week they're like, oh, you know, you're trash. You know, we hope you break your leg and never play football again. So it was like, you know, it was a little tough as an 18-year-old. But I think, um, you know, that, that's what a lot of recruiting is based on. Um, you know, being an 18-year-old kid, you're not always, you know, aware of or you don't always look at, like, the university in its entirety like what the university could actually 
you know, actually offer for you, um, not only in football, but outside of football, like academically. So a lot of a lot of kids base their decisions on, hey, you know, I'm really cool with this coach or this coach is always coming down here. He's showing the most interest, you know, um, he's down here consistently in my face, just uh, building that relationship. So I think a lot of uh, kids get sucked into that or they, you know, they kind of look at that as uh, they make that they they use that as for their decision as far as um, picking a university to play at. So I get the sense that you felt like you got more out of University of Washington than just that. So tell me about the experience at University of Washington and what that was like for you. Uh, yeah, so my experience at, at Washington, it was a great experience. I was just so focused on uh, football by the time you know I was on campus. I mean, we, we, we spent so much time in the weight room and, and meetings and um, doing stuff football-related. And then when I wasn't doing football, I was in class or we had tutoring and training table and stuff like that. So a lot of my time, uh, especially during the season, was spent down um, playing football, uh, in the locker room, um, studying. Uh, my my freshman year, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to major in. Uh, I remember taking like a bio one eighty class, and definitely that was that was definitely not the class for me. I quickly found that out, so I kind of had to figure out what I wanted to major in, and I was able to major in. Uh, I majored in communications, so I got into my major my sophomore year, and was able to do well and bring my GPA back up and everything. Why so, communication? What was the draw there? Calm. So honestly, it was like, okay, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, you know, I was like, oh, maybe, you know, physical therapy. So that's why I took those bio classes my freshman year. And yeah, those, those classes were really tough. So my GPA kind of slumped down. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe I should reevaluate. So I looked at the business school at Washington, but the business school, on average, I think you needed like a three-five GPA uh, to get in to get in to uh, get accepted to Foster School of Business. And at the time, I had like a two-nine, so I was like, okay, well, communications—that's I guess they're kind of related in a sense. Like you can do a lot with that, and so that's why I joined, or that's why I picked that major. And then I started doing really well. You know, I brought my GPA back up. I think it was like cumulative. It was like maybe like a three-three-three once I got you know into com. So that was the that's kind of the interest there. That's kind of how that, that started. And talk about football a little bit. So what was freshman year like for you? And, and just walk me through football. Uh, football freshman year, it was a roller coaster just because, I mean, I wasn't redshirting, but I wasn't really getting that much time. Uh, we had Chris Pope there. He was starting my, my freshman year. And I can remember my first time actually getting in the game. We were playing Nebraska. It was like the third game of the season. And um, I wasn't actually in the game. They just put me back there for kick returns. And I remember, like, the first kick, kick return, I caught the ball. Then the second one, I ended up, like, muffing it. And they came down and recovered it on, like, the one-yard line. So uh, my freshman year started off kind of kind of shaky. Like, I was on the Come On Man show and everything. And it was it was a crazy experience, like, being being a freshman and, you know, having you be on the Come On Man show because of a mistake you made in the game. Were you mentally um, <laughs> nervous, anxious for that level, for that um, importance? What, what do you think you struggled with from a mental standpoint in your freshman year? Um, yeah, just a whole new environment. Um, you're at a higher level. Uh, I mean, I was able – I feel like I competed well in practice. Um, as far as, like, picking up the plays and everything, I just – I mean, I'm not – that's probably the biggest thing is just having guys that are older – you know, more mature, they 
they played the game for longer, so they know, uh, you know, different things. It's just like growing pains, like with anything. My freshman year, that was probably the biggest, biggest challenge. Uh, also, just getting used to like the schedule, like the how how much how much time we spent, you know, on football, like you know, in meeting rooms and practice and um, training tables. So that was probably the biggest adjustment. And then, so freshman year, a lot of growing pains, challenges. First time in your life, in a football standpoint, you face adversity. Uh, had you faced adversity from a football standpoint up until that point? Uh, no, really, no. Like, I mean, growing up, like I was always one of the best, you know, best athletes on on the team. So that was kind of the first uh, time where, okay, you were around other kids that were just as athletically gifted. And for me, it was like after my freshman year, um, I was competing with this with these other guys on the team and um it kind of just was crazy how it happened like one of the guys ended up getting hurt my like the first game of my sophomore season and I that's how I kind of got the job I got like pushed into the job because me and this other guy were competing um sharing carries and he got hurt like it was crazy like on the first drive he just you know it looked like he just tripped over himself but he actually ended up you know going out with ACLs here and everything and you know the running back coach looked at me and was like hey you know you know, we're rolling with you, so I kind of had to get used to um, getting that starting role my sophomore year, and I ended up I ended up doing good. Like, at the end of my sophomore year, uh, I had, like, 1,400 yards, and then that kind of just rolled over and gave me momentum going into my junior year. I had 18, another good year of 1,800 yards, and it was, like, 1,870, and then I was just, that's how I, you know, I decided just, you know, that after that good year, like, to take my chances at the next level. So back up a little bit. So freshman year, can you just explain to us the difference between mindset freshman year compared to sophomore year when, when you're sort of said, all right, here you go, here are the keys to the car. What was your mindset sophomore year and what was your mindset freshman year? What were the differences between the two? Um, I think my mindset, I was kind of just, you know, they don't really, you know, they're saying like they don't really, you don't really know how strong you are until you're, you know, forced to be be strong and it was kind of that situation like I kind of got thrown in the fire because initially I thought me and the other guy were going to be sharing the running back role and then he got hurt so it was like all the load was on me to to go forward that in that season so the first few games were they're a little shaky like I had like some okay games and then my breakout game was when we played Stanford they were ranked 13th in the country and so they came up to our house, and we, we weren't even ranked. But it was one of the biggest games of my college career because it kind of um, was my breakout game. Uh, we ended up upsetting them and beating them, and it was crazy. Like, you know, Washington, the fans were all rushing the field after the game. So that was kind of um, – I think through that year, my, my confidence was, was growing each game. Like, it wasn't really necessarily like, oh, this is going to be a new mindset going into this year. Like, I knew I always wanted to be a starting running back because um, I wanted to, you know, make it to the NFL. So um, it was kind of a confidence booster each game I played. Um, just kind of try to go out there and, and do what I had to do to, to play, help the team make plays. And it was like my confidence was boosted that way just through trying to be being consistent. You know, the, the thing that stood out to me about as you are describing freshman year is come on, man. Like that, that moment, and we are the biggest fear that humans have is embarrassment. Uh, the yeah. biggest fear we have is being embarrassed, and that fear is like when they poll people and ask people what they're most afraid of, they say public speaking. 
And the reason that we're so afraid of public speaking is because there's embarrassment. There's potential for embarrassment. And you think about what you have to do in a sport like football is you have to show up on Saturday or Sunday or Friday night if you're playing high school and you have to perform in front of maybe in high school, a thousand people, maybe in college, a hundred thousand people, and maybe in pros, 60,000 people. And you, if you are afraid to embarrass yourself, it's not going to go very well. And I think that come on, man, experience probably stuck with you because it's probably an embarrassing moment that then gets highlighted, <laughs> right? And and you have to shift away from that your sophomore year and fight any fear of embarrassment if you want to reach your potential. And I would imagine, like you said, it was cumulative. It was something that you kept building on and saying, oh, I can do this. Oh, I can play at this level. All right, yeah, I can shoulder the load. And all of a sudden, maybe uh, the chains are, are ripped off you and you are able to run freely Whereas freshman year, maybe there's hesitation. Maybe there is uh, self-doubt. And I would imagine for a runner, if there's any self-doubt or hesitation as a runner, you're screwed. Uh, because I've worked with running backs before, and it, you know it's about trusting your instincts, uh, trusting that you know what hole to hit, when to hit it, and then just going a million miles an hour with, with guys literally trying to take your head off. Um, so if there's, if there's any thinking that's going on there or there's any – um, questioning, even if it's a little bit, then you're in trouble. So fighting that fear of embarrassment was massive. So, you know, props to you, your sophomore year in saying like, okay, that happened. Now I'm going to just go compete. And I'd imagine each week you just focused on competing and walk me through that mindset of your, the Stanford game, because you said that was a breakout game for you. Walk us through your pregame routine. Walk us through how you're interpreting a game like that, uh, in that situation. Well, uh, I mean, prior to that, like, going back to my freshman year, you touched on it, just having that embarrassment. Like, that week after that game, it was, it was a pretty rough week. Um, you know, I think my coach did a great job. My running back coach did a great job, you know, helping me get out of that funk that I was in. Uh, after that first game playing against Nebraska, he, like, brought me in his coach's off his office and, you know, showed me a tape of, you know, Chris Polk fumbling the ball muffing the kick and was like hey man you know it happens man like stuff stuff is going to happen um you know it's more about what you do after it happens it's more about how you um how you go against adversity and how you come out of that and break through that so time out time out so i love that because uh, you're blessed to have that um that coming from a coach because i always talk about are you going to respond or are you going to react and a reaction is going to be feeling that embarrassment and reacting off that embarrassment. A response is going to be, okay, I feel a certain way, but I'm going to respond by going to the weight room or, you know what, hit me 20 kick, twenty kicks. I'm going to catch them all cleanly. Uh, so what was your response to that week after the coach shows you that? Can you take me to the week of and the week leading up and what the response was like from, from yourself? Yeah, I think that next week we played Cal and um, – you know, my coach was able to say, you know, not worry, don't worry about it. That's in the past. So for me, I was just trying to stay positive. Um, at practice, I was just out there catching kicks when we would do warm ups and, you know, returns were out there catching kicks. I was just trying to focus on my technique and just going each day like a, like a regular practice, just doing the things that I needed to do to prepare. And, um, you know, it's something that doesn't, it doesn't really, I don't think it really comes natural to humans. It's something that you got to, 
consciously be like teaching your mind and trying to train your mind to think positively, you know, in spite of any adversity that you may face. So how did you do that? Where did that, that? How did you do that? Where did that come from? Like, let's tug on that. Uh, let's pull on that a little bit. Oh, for me, for me, it was just my coaches, um, the people around me. I feel like they believed in me. Also, my faith. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, that week, um, I just at that time, I remember just looking in the mirror, like, man, you know, as a freshman, um, it was so something that was so it was so big to me at the time. Like, oh man. I had all these questions like am I am I gonna get on the field again is is the coach gonna let me play again like dang like I really made a big mistake and it kind of um changed the game's outcome in my in my eyes so it was I kind of just had the question you know you know is this really what I want to do and so for me faith was a big aspect you know going back to when I was a kid my grandparents you know I, I was in the church kind of grew up in the church with my grandparents and everything and so that was that was where my biggest um kind of sources to pull from was my faith in god and just my coaches and the environment um them believing in me two thoughts number one faith is such a strong word and for a lot of people it's linked to religion and that's that's great if that's your thing like go for that but we can use that word for everything right like i can still have faith that all right, that happened and I'm going to move forward. Like I always think about it like a car, like, you know, the, the rear view mirror says objects in the mirror are closer than they appear and they look bigger than they appear because they're closer. And so if we're always looking in the rear view mirror, they seem like they're these massive things, but in reality, they're not. And I think about your situation, Bishop, I watch sports center. I watch sports like nonstop. I have no idea what game you're talking about and what muff you're talking about. And, yeah. and I am a sports fanatic. It's what I eat, breathe, sleep. And it's part of my job to watch SportsCenter. And I literally don't know what come on man uh, example you're talking about. So I say all that because we think that these things are the center of the universe and that it's, we can't get by them. And, you know, life is over as we know it when the reality is that's just an object in the mirror and it seems big right now, but as we keep driving away, that object will become smaller and smaller and smaller. If we keep responding and moving forward, that object becomes smaller and smaller. And all of a sudden, something that feels like it's the end of the world is just a memory that you probably laugh at now. And I, I take yeah. those two things and combine them. Number one is the faith that I'm going to be okay. And, and once again, that could be religion, that could be family-oriented, it could be community-oriented, however you take that word. But faith is a strong word that I think is so valuable. And then two, that idea of let's respond and keep moving the car forward. And then eventually those things will just be in the background. And those things right. will just be smaller than they appear. Um, right. So like those two things, are, I think, are so valuable for us as we hear the sirens in the background and we think that like that's a big deal. Also, not a big deal. There's sirens. We'll be okay. We'll keep yeah, talking. Exactly. And now we'll respond and <laughs> so move forward. LA, I'm in downtown LA, man. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> well, you're welcome <laughs> to... Uh, sirens going by. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a fire, fire truck. Yeah. So... Yeah. So, like, I love stuff like that because it's a reminder, like, we all get distracted. There are sirens that go off. There are people that enter our life and become disruptive. We all get distracted. It's how we respond to the distractions that matter most. So the idea of focus is not about 
locking in at all times. It's about can you recover? And I call it can you snap recover? Can you recover as quickly as you snap your fingers and respond that way? And so for you, that come on, man, is a siren that goes off. It seems like, oh, man, it's a big deal. And then that siren's done. It passes. And then we're back. So I actually, I won't even edit those sirens because I think it's important for us all to remember, like, we have things that come into our life and either we freak out over them and because the conversation is not clean and crisp and perfect or we find a way to respond and keep moving that car forward. And that's what football is about. You have a minus two or you, you, know, you get hit in the backfield or you fumble or you drop a pass coming out of the backfield. Can you respond? And I'm sure you've learned that as you move forward. So I love that. I love that you sort of gave us insight into maybe a low point in your career, but how you also learned to become strong from that. Walk me through when you're at your best. So that Stanford game where you're just, you feel like it's your breakout game. Walk us through your mindset, your mentality during that game or before the game uh, or when you're in it. Just take us inside the helmet with you. Um, so for me, uh, my mentality for that game, it's, it just really started in the locker room. Uh, we all knew that it was a big game. They were ranked 13th in the nation. So we just, you know, we're just all sitting there in the locker room, you know, bumping some music, getting right, getting ready for the game. And just, I think I fed off the energy of, of my teammates before the game. We just had that camaraderie. We knew we wanted to go out there and, you know, show, because I think it was an ESPN televised game, if I'm not mistaken. So we just wanted to show whoever was watching that, you know, we play football up in Washington too. You know, we know Stanford's ranked, they're ranked 13th in the nation, but we wanted to make a statement that day. And when I was out there, you know, I was just focused in because just the atmosphere, the, the fans, the, it was very, it was a very electric atmosphere going out there playing against, you know, Stanford. So uh, it was just a really a big adrenaline rush. And I was just focused on and taking it each play at a time. And I think, um, up to that point, I hadn't really had any big time runs in college. Uh, so that was my first time. It was like fourth and one, and it was a, kind of a crucial point in the game. I think we were down by like 13 points or maybe a touchdown, and I was able to break a 63-yarder on a fourth and one play. And I was, you know, that kind of was like, hey, you know, I can do this. Like I can play at a high level collegiately. So I was just excited and um it was a good, it was a great game. It's kind of like I said, it was the start of boosting my confidence um, as a college running back. The first thing that catches my mind or, or that I heard was the idea of we and the pride that we have for our state and representing our state. Uh, and you talked about you know we let's go out there. This is a big game. Let's do it for us and the fans. There's a community that we're playing for, and that pride can be a massive, massive tool that we have in our toolbox. And then you shifted in talking about all right, then I. Uh, you know, I break free on a 63-yard run on fourth and one. Can you explain what that feels like? Because you talked about focus. But for us that, you know, might be playing in the front yard and break open for a 20-yard run, we don't get to really feel that. But walk me through, like, breaking free and then what that feels like to be just running free um, into the end zone. I mean, there's no feeling like it. Like, as a running back, it's (laughs) – I mean, at the time, you're just like, I just got to go because I know guys are coming. I'm not trying to get caught or hawked down. So I was just, once I broke broke through, I was like, man, I got to run, go to the end zone. Once you get to the end zone, it's like, oh, man, like I can take a deep breath, you know, celebrate, uh, you know, do whatever. But um, I think it's just a great feeling knowing that, like all the preparation, all your hard work, building up to that point, all the 
Um, you know, the anxiety you have, you know, about, oh, how am I going to do? How are we going to do? I think when you make a play like that, um, you know, it's just a good, it's a great feeling, and it's almost, un- it's almost undescribable. There's a phrase I love to use, which is, be where your feet are. And, you know, if we are where our feet are, we'll usually be okay. It's when we start putting our feet and imagining that they're somewhere else, either thinking about the past, thinking about the future, or thinking about things that are out of our control. Those are the three big type of... Yeah, those are the three big type of distractions we have. Thinking about the past, thinking about the future, thinking about things that are out of our control. But when we are where our feet are, when we're in the present and we're playing present, that's when we're at our best. And a running back, you use your feet more than anybody... And you have to trust that your feet will take you to where you want to go. And so I would imagine there's a sense of, you know, I'm trusting that my feet will guide me and I'm going to use my eyes to just, you know, feel where I need to go and and see where I need to go. But it's really trusting in my feet that my feet will guide me. And I would imagine that indescribable feeling is because your feet are just doing the work and you're trusting in your training and you are just letting it fly. Did you feel like you were in the zone that game? Like, have you had those feelings of being in the zone? And describe those feelings yeah. a little bit for me. Yeah, definitely. I think as a running back, a lot of times in a game, you don't even fully realize what you did on certain runs um, until you actually watch tape. Like, oh, I made a jump cut that way. Because in the game, you just kind of react in off of adrenaline and instinct. So sometimes, sometimes you're running and you don't – fully even realize what it is you're doing until you see film after the game um so that's kind of you know what it's just crazy how that happens a lot of performers will talk about not blacking out but that they don't really remember all the nuance of their performance i know when i do i do a lot of public speaking and a lot of times i'll finish and i'll be like I'm exhausted, like emotionally, because I pour so much yeah. into it. And then when I'm done, I'm like, all right, I don't even really remember what happened because I'm so in the moment. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because I work with other athletes, like golfers, who uh, they can remember every shot, every every detail, because that sport is so much start, stop, start, stop. But a sport like football, I would imagine, you're right, it's it's moving so fast. Things probably slow down for you when you're making those cuts and hitting those holes, but you're still doing it with such instinct. It's animalistic in the way that you're trying to do it. Uh, And so you won't remember because there's not time to self-reflect. There's only time to be self-aware. And when we're self-aware, we're in that moment and we're feeling that moment. We're we're touching that moment. We're seeing it. we're, We're in it. And I use a phrase like when we're in it, we're in it. So when you're in the game, you're in it. Um, and I just hear so many athletes talk to me about that. So you, you crush it your sophomore year, you crush it your junior year, uh, and yeah. then you decide, all right, let's, uh, let's, let's go to the NFL. Um, so talk to me about that process and you know adjusting and adapting and the draft and the combine and all of yeah. this madness that a lot of people are going through right now. Um, yeah. Walk me through your perspective on that process and then make it to the NFL and, 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 then, and then what you do from there. Um, I think it was for me during that time coming out, it was an exciting time, uh, you know, going through the draft and everything and the combine, it was a lot of obscurity, you know, as a young player, you're like, you're not really sure what's going to come out of it when you'll be drafted. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's exciting because, you know, this is a, your shot, your, it's your dream or many guys' dreams of, you know, playing in the NFL. So I was kind of trying to balance, um, the whole thought process, process, process of, you know, hey, you know, yeah, I'm not really sure how this is going to go, 
you know, you don't really know what teams are thinking about you versus, hey, this is, I'm excited, you know, it's my time to, um, you know, get drafted and have an opportunity at my dream. Um, so it's really, it was the process coming out, being drafted was a roller coaster. Uh, the combine was stressful, like, the combine was pretty stressful. You go through interviews and, and testing and everything. So during that time, um, I was really trying to take it a day to, a day at a time and uh, stay mentally focused on everything, um, especially when the testing came around on that last day. I wanted to be, like, mentally focused and well-rested. And, um, I mean, it was just a mixture of exciting times and nervous times, honestly. <laughs> do you do any meditation or visualization uh, any mental tools that you use to prepare for big games, big events, uh, the combine, anything like that? Uh, no, but really just prayer. Like that was, I guess, a form of meditation for me, just praying. and. Just when you're praying, what are you saying? Like what, what, walk us through that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, for the combine, I just wanted to go out there and do my best, compete to the best of my ability. And um, I didn't really have like a set ritual but I just wanted to make sure that I was mentally um, focused, mentally ready to go, and also that I was taking initiative physically just to be on top of how my body was feeling and um, staying loose, stretching, hydrating, all, all those things. Um, I mean, recently, I would always do yoga periodically, but recently I, I, started, I started doing yoga more, uh, just trying to make sure my body feels well and... Um, help with balance and just building those little small muscles up. So other than that, I don't really have like a form set of, you know, or a set form form of formula for meditation or anything. And so you end up being drafted in the second round and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, are you the first running back picked in that draft or? Yeah. Yeah. I was the first running back taken, um, pick 54 second round Tennessee Titans. And, um, so yeah, I was the first back taken. So what's that like for you to processing that and, uh, you know, going there and, and expectations and handling all of that? Yeah, it was definitely different for me uh, at the time because in college I was kind of like, I wouldn't say an underdog, but it wasn't. I wasn't going in there with high expectations because, okay, you had, we had Chris Polk there, and I was, a, I was a kid out of Spokane, Washington. You know, people kind of – um, undermined that, like, oh, he's from Spokane, so, you know, not a lot of players, Division One players come out of Spokane, so I kind of went there, and I was there, I, my freshman year, I think I was fourth string, and then even going into my sophomore year, before the season started, I was, like, third string, so I kind of just crept up onto the scene in college versus in the pros, like, it was like, you know, I got drafted, and a day later, you know, people were like, hey, you're gonna break Chris Johnson's 2,000-yard rushing mark, and you just have all these big expectations. So it was, it was coming from a different angle when I got to the NFL as far as, you know, going in from being an underdog in college to now being drafted in the NFL. And you have, you're like, you got all the hype, you got all these expectations. How do you think you handled it? My, it was, it was a roller coaster. Like coming in my, my rookie year, um, having all those different expectations, it, it was a lot, you know, for me to process. You know, I was always just like, man, I'm not sure, you know, or I was just like, man, you know, I know I can go out here and play well, but, you know, how, how are these people really receiving me? Like having the media and everybody asking me, you know, different questions about, you know, how, you know, am I going to break Chris Johnson's, you know, rushing record 2,000 yards? I mean, I, you know, as a rookie. So it was like, 
it was just an adjustment. It was a, it was really a roller coaster that whole experience. Do you do you still view yourself as an underdog, or did did that change your how you how you see yourself when you got drafted that high? No, I don't think it. Like it didn't really change how I saw myself. I still view myself as an underdog. I always prided myself on work ethic. Um, you know, I've always been a real big you know guy in the weight room, um, just lifting, working out, training, trying to get the edge in that way. So. Um, I don't think it changed how I work re- worked really, but it was more so um, just having everybody else's expectations, um, you know, constantly being put on you. Got it. So now you're 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 sort of trying to find your way, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So so you're now the underdog again, whether it's exactly. by your choice yeah. or <laughs> others' choice. Um, right. Walk us through that journey and what it's lo- what what it's like to be released or what it's like to um, not be wanted or. Uh, have to claw and and you know try to find your way. Just take us to what that what that requires and what that mindset, what's needed for that. Well, I would say yeah. This past season, it was again a, a real a roller coaster for me, just bouncing around. Um, my second season at Tennessee, um, you know, the season started off good. We, you know, I had a good year. One of I think one of my best games in my career was like the first and the NFL was the first game of the season, my second year. And, you know, I feel like I did well. I had like an okay amount of rushing yards, but I was able to, you know, help the team win with two touchdowns and everything. But as the season went on, I just saw my, my carries decrease, decrease. And so I kind of saw, you know, the direction that the organization was going. Um, they got rid of Wizard Hunt, you know, brought in a new GM. So a lot of times when that happens, um, personnel changes are expected as well. And then they, you know, brought in, Marco Murray, you know, great running back, Pro Bowl. They drafted uh, Derrick Henry pretty high, Heisman Trophy winner. So I kind of saw the direction they were taking. And um, I don't think it really hits you until it happens. Um, You know, in preseason, my second year, um, I didn't really get that much time in the game. But when I was in the game, I feel like I did well. Um, I had, like, a few good runs, did well on pass protection and everything. But um, it was kind of just more so them – they already had an idea of where the direction they wanted to take the organization. So I got released after the last preseason game. And, uh, I can just remember like, wow, like I really got released. Like I didn't really know, um, how I was going to react. And it was kind of just like, uh, in shock, not really in shock, but you're just kind of like trying to process everything and take it all in. And, you know, I'm on the phone with my agent trying to figure things out as far as, Hey, potential teams that want to pick you up or bring you in. And so I ended up going to the Patriots, was there for six weeks on practice squad. Um, that was a different experience for me because the, the two previous years I was on active roster in Tennessee. And um, so I had to, you know, try to assume that role being on practice squad, but, you know, pick up the playbook at the same time so I could try to potentially be bumped up to active roster. So I was just trying to balance everything out. And then after those six weeks, Kansas City called my agent and they were like, hey, we need a guy. Um, you know, we want a running back on active roster. And they were interested in bringing me in to be on active roster. So I went to Kansas City and I was under the intentions like I was going to get a chance to play. And I think because uh, their starter was out for a few weeks and they needed another guy to come in for the rotation. And so that week I was preparing, trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to um trying to figure out the playbook get ready get prepared to play and then prior to, and then the day before the game they brought back another running back they had previously released um and he had been there for the four previous years so 
you know, he was he ended up being active. So the whole time I was in Kansas City, just for those brief three weeks, I was inactive. And then on the on the third week, they released me from there, and then I got picked up the Minnesota practice squad again. So it's been like it's been a journey, like it's just been a roller coaster. Um, you know, you, you got to just try to stay positive through the whole thing. That was my main thing is trying to stay positive and um, not really trying to shut your mind off, which some kind, sometimes can be the hardest thing to do, just trying to shut your mind off to, you know, what the future is going to hold or what's going to come out, what's going to happen. Um, and the thing with Kansas City, when you get when you get brought in for active roster, you have to be on a team for the minimum of three weeks. So I was there for three weeks and then released me, and then now I'm with Minnesota on practice squad uh, for the remainder of the season. Got it. So <clears> – <throat> Yeah, I mean, I think for you, it's it's coming back to that idea of like, let's be where my feet are. Let's focus on just maximizing what I can do. I think a lot of times people run into trouble when they try to overthink things. Uh, that's what I hear yeah. from athletes all the time is, oh, I'm overanalyzing or I'm overthinking. And that's actually where choking uh, happens is when we overload the brain. And so like one of the things I'll talk with my athletes all the time about, let's just take action. Like let's focus on taking action. Uh, and it doesn't really matter what my thoughts are, what my feelings are, but let's just be a, an athlete of action. Uh, so I'm sure as you go forward on this, it's like, you know, you're going to put the work in. It sounds like you're going to be there. You're going to show up and do all those things. But then when the moment comes, let's just be a person of action and use our feet, uh, in, in, in your position. I think that's the way to go. Here's what I want to end with. I want to end with what I call our preferences. Uh, so what I do is I put you on the hot seat and I have you pick a preference. So which you prefer more. So the first one is, do you prefer preparation or performance? For, huh. They're going to be hard. I was, oh, my goodness. Uh, preparation or performance? I said I prefer pe- preparation. Okay. Because, because um, I think through preparation, that's like, it's more about like working to become something. I think with the preparation, it's tied to, you know, the process, and I feel like you can't perform well if you don't take the process seriously, you know, your daily regimen from eating right to working to preparing, doing what you got to do, and I think through preparation, through the process, that's how you become just better, better in general, like a better, whatever you put your mind to becoming good at, you could do it, but it has to be through a process, it has to be through preparation, you're not just going to go out there and, you know, perform well, so I think, like, you got to prepare to perform well. Are you more of a yes sir guy or a why guy? Um, I, I think I can be both. Um, Pick I one. Be both. I mean, Pick I'm one. Kinda, uh, oh, this is the question. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I say, I say why. Oh man, why? military guy, football guy, going with why. why. I like it. But I'm not, I mean, I would say, like, in a, in a football sense, it's like, okay, I know we have a collective goal to attain, so it's like, it depends on the situation. Like, if I'm at practice, you got to put full trust in the coaching staff. Obviously, they've done their they've done their studying, they've done their work, so you're just going to listen to the coach. Like, there's certain situations where you say, oh, I'm going to listen to the coach, but then there's other times where you're like, you're just curious. Like, I feel like everybody has a certain level of curiosity, like, why things happen or why, why are things this way, so... I think that's you know something that's that's why these questions are hard, man. They're supposed to be double double edged swords. So the, yeah. the next one, the next one, do you prefer a system or autonomy? Uh, a 
say a system. Do you pref- would you prefer to cheat and win or lose while being honest? Just <laughs> say if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, but I don't know. That's a hard one. Uh, cheat and win or lose and be honest. I say uh, lose and be honest. Do you prefer perfection or progression? Progression. Would you rather be the most valuable player or the most improved player? Ooh, uh, MVP, most valuable player. Would you prefer a resume or a eulogy? Say resume. Do you prefer your generation or your parents' generation? <laughs> our, our generation, my generation. Do you prefer evaluations <laughs> or descriptions? Evalu- evaluations. Positive feedback or negative feedback? Nah. I say positive. Culture or talent? Culture. Momentum or the moment? Momentum. Pumped up or calm down? Grit or grind? Grit or grind? Like the same thing? So here's how I look at it because a lot of people <laughs> say that. So for me, uh, grit is about recovery. Grit is about um, you know perseverance and resilience. Grind is about putting your head down and, and just not stopping and, and just keep going, keep going, keep going. I say grit. Okay. Uh, prefer to be liked or respected? Respected. Prefer to be respected or feared? Respected. Liked or feared? Liked. So fear, fear, being feared is not something that you value? No, I feel like it, um, being feared, like if you're being feared, I feel like you're not going to get the, I mean, you'll get something out of people if they fear you, but I feel like if you're more so respected and liked, you'll get more out of you know, say if you're like a boss or, you know, you're trying to get your employees to, you know, work towards a goal. I think it's better to be respected and like because you'll get more out of them because they actually want to be in that environment as opposed to, oh, I'm just here because I'm afraid of, you know, losing my job or something bad happening. You play running back. You play football. Yeah. Have you feared a linebacker or a safety <laughs> Or a D-tackle? Nah, nah, nah. I haven't feared, feared anybody. I respected them. Respected who's the, who's, the, who's the guy you, you respect the most that you've played against on the defensive end? Probably, um, played against, uh, probably Eric Berry. Just, and I played with him briefly at Kansas City. Um, man, he's just a, not only a great football player, a great guy, great leader. Um, so I definitely respected Eric Berry. Do you think people? Done, do you think? How he's impacted the game. Do you think? Also, uh, do, do you think wide receivers or running backs fear him? Uh, I wouldn't say fear. I think as a player, as a competitor, you're not trying to go into a competition afraid of you know what a man could do to your. I'm not you know, saying like, that they're trying gonna... to, but but do you think some guys 
fear when they're going across the middle, Eric Berry. Whether they're trying to or not, do they? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it would be necessarily fear Eric Berry. I think it would be just fearing, like, getting smacked, coming across the middle. By anybody. Have, have your head taken off by anybody. Like, okay. I think, but I think they would more so respect Eric Be- Eric Berry and his ability. So, you know, in pre- you know, if you respect him, you're going to prepare for them. Like, okay, like, I got to be on my A game. The reason I, Eric Berry. Or another guy was, you know, I played against was James Harrison, my rookie year. Um, you know, big. I respect him. And, so you tell me, uh, people don't people don't fear that guy. You don't think anyone in the NFL fears him? <laughs> I'm afraid of him, and I don't even have to line up against him. Like I said, as a competitor, it's like you can't go into a game thinking you're like, oh man, I'm afraid of this dude. Like now, because if you if you're if you're scared, like you're definitely not giving yourself a chance. Like it's more so um, respecting his his ability, like. I, I feel, feel it as like a respect thing. Like, oh, no, I'm afraid. But it's like, if you respect this person, you're going to put in the preparation, you're going to prepare and get ready to bring your A game. So I agree with you. I would not think that it's a good idea to fear Eric Berry or Harrison. But here's what I believe. I believe that people feared Tiger Woods in golf when they were coming down the stretch. I think people fear Usain Bolt when they line up on the – line and are sprinting. I think people fear Michael Phelps when they're about to get in the pool. I think people fear Floyd Mayweather. And I think people are afraid of Harrison. Um, but it's not fear in the sense of physical. Uh, it's more fear of embarrassment or fear of emotional pain. Uh, where emotional pain and physical pain land in the brain are the same place. So our mind doesn't know the difference between physical and emotional pain. That's why we're so afraid to be embarrassed. Um, So my point is not that it's a good idea to fear anybody when you step on that field. I don't think it is. But I've worked with football players. I know that there's some fear that goes on when they step on the field. And it might not be of a person. It might be fear of dropping a ball or fumbling or throwing an interception um, or going off sides or um, losing or failure. Um, but I think fear is such an interesting, uh, piece to the puzzle. And I think, um, you know, I, I don't think, I think most people wouldn't admit, like, I don't think uh, a basketball player would admit that they were afraid of Kobe Bryant. But I think the reality is when, the, when they rolled out the ball, there was some fear of Kobe just dominating him. Um, so I think it's different than maybe physical fear. Like I train, I know my body's in great shape. I know I'm physically strong, but I, I don't know. I, I think fear is such an interesting thing, especially in football, where it's a yeah. man's man, and you know it's it's you know testosterone at its finest. And look, I know I know the league is trying to get a lot of the intimidation piece out of the game, but I, I think it's it's still always going to be a game where you know it's 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 an intimidation sport. Um, and I think, yeah. by the way, I think I think every sport that I also mentioned, boxing, golf. Tennis, uh, soccer, they, they all have levels of intimidation as well because at the end of the day, you know, you have a team full of people that are going up against another team full of humans. And if that other set of humans has um, a leg up or an edge, then that's valuable in sport. Um, so right. that's just me riffing on fear a little bit. Um, yeah, I think, definitely. I mean, I think guys try to play on that too. Like you said, it's just trash talking or saying little things. I feel like they feel if they can get your mind – thinking on something they said or what they said or I, th- I feel like they feel like that will take away your ability to focus on 
actual things that will help you in the game. Like if they can say something to rattle you or get your mind like, oh, he said this, like said that, or oh, this is such and such over there. It's going to get your mind off of things that you need to do to actually win the game. Like being, um, you know, in the right place on a pass, on a pass or a blitz or or anything. So Beautiful. they just get your mind to second guess itself. Beautiful. Do you prefer, do you love winning or hate losing? Uh, hate losing. Are you a risk taker or a rule follower? I say rule follower. Would you rather be a starter on a losing team or a towel waiver on a winning team? Uh, uh, starter on a losing team. Do you prefer balance or specific obsession? Fear of failure or fearlessness? Fear of failure. Why did you go that way? And then you really contemplated that. So walk me through what your mind was thinking. Um, like which I which I prefer or yes. which I would choose. Fear of failure. Um, man. I feel like you just as a person like for me I I'll be I want to be somebody that's that whatever I mean I feel like failure is like it's necessary but at the same time it's like you don't want to fail like you want to naturally move forward with whatever it is you're doing if you you know as a player you want to go into a season and you want to want to have success like you want to have good things come out of it you want to whatever your goals you write down on a sheet of paper before the season starts um you expect that to happen you don't want it to just you know go completely the opposite way so i think when you're saying like feel fear of failure like that's that's what i'm that's what i'm saying do you write goals down before every year yeah i do like i I write goals down before every season um just like team goals and then uh personal goals as well when did you start doing that when did you start that what was that when did you start doing that College, I would say college. Um, yeah, college year, uh, probably my freshman year. I wanted to, uh, yeah, I remember writing like I wanted to be, you know, all freshman, Pac-12. That didn't happen, but you know, it's something that I wrote down. Um, I feel like it helps me process it better. It helps me kind of. It's like a reminder as far as like why you know on those days where you don't feel like you may not feel like practicing or you may not feel like. You know, going to weight training is like a reminder, like, hey, this is the big picture. This is why I'm doing it. So the vision, you can have clarity around the vision. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. I got two more for you. Disassociate from pressure or embrace it? You said disassociate from pre- pressure or embrace it? Yeah. Uh, I think embrace it. Do you, do you prefer your head or your gut? Uh, I prefer my head or my gut. say both you can't end with both give me one dang uh header gut um i say gut okay beautiful you're off the hot seat uh i appreciate it um (laughs) and and bishop uh (laughs) well it's funny you, you were talking about the interview process at the combine and I haven't done it for the NFL combine, but I've gone to the MLS combine and the NBA combine where I 
get to interview players and and oh, wow. so I, I've been on the other side of that. Uh, we can we can chat and rap about that one day. But uh, I really appreciate the time. I know you're out in LA training and, and getting ready for the season. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, if people want to find out more about you, uh, where can they do that? Um, and, and and just so people can sort of follow your journey. And what I love about our conversation today is like sometimes I talk to people that are at the end of their career or are retired. Uh, sometimes I talk to people who are just starting it. It's like you're in it, man. Like you're in the thick of it. And and I think what's cool is like like greatness isn't always pretty. Like uh, a lot of times it's ugly. And uh, you know there are journeys and all kinds of you said roller coaster, like there are all kinds of different stops and bumps and, you know, it's not always this pretty glamorous thing that people think. And I think you're in a place right now that it's like, all right, here you go, man. Here's some shit. Let's see how you yeah. deal with it. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and it sounds like your faith and it sounds like your positivity and your work ethic are what you are focused on. And I think that's a great place to start. So, uh, I, I'm mad props for that and, uh, enjoy the rest of your training and, and tell us where we can find you and follow you and all that good stuff. Yeah, appreciate it, man. I appreciate you having me on the show. And um, you can find me at Twitter, on Twitter, just Bishop Sankey, first and last name. Same thing with Instagram, Bishop Sankey, first and last name. And even on Facebook, um, those are all my handles uh, if you want to you know, follow me and see what I'm doing. so. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on the Beyond the Surface podcast. And look forward to getting to know you a little better uh, you know, over the year and, and following you up in uh, – in, in Minnesota, uh, when I say Minnesota, I try to say it with like the the Minnesota accent. I don't know why it's like Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota. like yeah, Minnesota. yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, stay stay warm up there, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again real soon. Okay, man. I appreciate it. All right, thanks, thanks, Bishop. All right, yeah, have a good one.